Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back to Wannabe, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm Imriel Morgan, founder of Content is Queen, a podcast agency and club for ambitious podcasters with phenomenal taste, high expectations and a desire to sound as good as I do right now. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Wannabe's focus is to help you take consistent action to build a successful life and career in the creative and entertainment industry. Today, I have three exceptional guests who are going to help you understand the power of working with other people, overcome the restrictions and limitations placed upon you, and they're going to help you figure out why it's necessary to shake things up to achieve real growth. Let's get into it. I'm very excited to bring you my guest today. Author and scholar Dr. Ibram X. Kendi is the great mind behind the number one New York Times bestseller, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Dr. Kendi is one of America's foremost historians and leading anti-racist scholars. He is also a contributing writer to The Atlantic and the racial justice contributor at CBS News. The focus of today's episode is to help you realize the importance of following your instincts when it comes to your career, but also to explore the areas of your life that need further interrogation and reflection. We also talked about Dr. Kendi's latest book, 400 Souls, which is a must read for anyone interested in the movement for black lives and, you know, just interested in history. Let's go straight into it. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? So I grew up in New York City as a huge, huge New York Knicks fan. It's the NBA basketball team, professional team. And I wanted to be like the next John Starks, uh, who was my favorite player growing up, basketball player. But, you know, I wasn't really that good. (laughs) I shifted gears a little bit and decided I wanted to be a sports writer to sort of cover sports games. And and so I went to school, I went to college uh, to pursue that. But but the more I sort of, the more I entered into that career, the the more that I realized I was trying to sort of turn sort of a hobby into a calling. Mm -hmm. And I started to find my calling, uh, which was uh, really writing on and speaking out against racism. That's a really intense shift, no? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> and what was the response to that when you started to make those decisions? Did you have family and friends or your was your wife, what, at what stage in your life were you at and what was the response to that change in direction? So the good thing is it happened primarily in college. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was somewhat natural in that when I would do some internships in sports sections and newspapers, I remember in particular, I did an internship in Alabama at a newspaper there, and I wrote this story about racism in sports. And that story, reporting on it and writing on it, brought me so much meaning and fulfillment. Um, And I saw sort of how it was making a difference. And so I started gravitating more to writing on race and sport, Mm -hmm. you know, until ultimately (laughs) 
best focused in one race. Yeah, that's always the way, isn't it? You start off in one direction and you completely pivot and and then that's, you're, you're finding your purpose and your flow and your groove. I love when that happens, <laughs> yes. but it's a, it's a privilege to, to get to that stage sometimes. So you have two books that I have read. So I have read How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, rather, I've listened to them because I'm an audiobook fan. And I've started listening to 400 Souls, which is absolutely beautiful. The audiobook, they've done some really beautiful stuff with the voices. And, the, and yeah, it's just beautiful to listen to. I'm curious to know about any challenges with putting something like this together for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, the ambitious aspect of 400 Souls, you know, bringing together a community of, to write the history of a community, you know, you bring folk together, even if it's your family, there's going to be challenges, folk are going to procrastinate. No, I mean, in all seriousness, it, I, I think it was not easy to, to not only accumulate or assemble, I should say, 90 writers, but then also each of those writers had to write about a specific time period. Mm -hmm. And so trying to find people who were willing to write about a specific time period, you know, wasn't necessarily easy. But I mean, you know, ultimately we were able to 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 gather this incredible group of, of black writers. And and I think once we had the group together and then once the pieces started coming in you know that's when the beauty started coming in yeah it is it's really stunning it's very rich and i uh i, I remember listening to ijoma aluo's story about being mixed race and i've interviewed her before on the podcast so i have a tremendous amount of love for her and her work but i know that that yeah her her story really hit home for me because it was the first time i had really come to understand mixed race identities and why people identify as some mixed race people choose to identify as black in the UK it's quite different in that most people don't do that and then there was another story about uh, the twins being separated and there's a story in my family about twins being separated and I'm the descendant from the twin that left got left behind so it's really quite moving actually all of these kind of beautiful points of reference and the layers that are contained within these stories and their stories within a story and and it's just like it just feels so enriching and I haven't even listened to all of it yet but I know that our history is it's beautiful as well as it is violent and complex and you know traumatic but it's so important that it's told so thank you for doing that work and to Keisha as well for doing that work I applaud you both for pulling it together because it looks it looks intense just from the audible <laughs> chapter list yeah I mean what you're speaking to is is what our contributors were able to do and they did not necessarily, I mean, to me, what I'm fascinated by is in most cases, you know, in almost all cases, they weren't necessarily reading the pieces coming before or after their piece. Mm. You know, every one of our writers wrote about five years. And, and then we, of course, put them in chronological order. And um, but they they were able to somehow still sound all together like this choir, yeah. um, you know, as I write about in the introduction. And all on pitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and all singing similar chords. And and then, of course, we had those soloists you have to have, which were, of course, our 10 poets uh, who ended, we ever ended every 40-year section, you know, with a poem. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a really masterful bit of work. But, I mean, you must be used to getting praise for your books, especially within the last year. How to Be an Anti-Racist was 
absolutely everywhere. Like you could not see a, an Instagram slide show about books to read without your book being mentioned. And then now this book's come out and it's getting lots of really great praise. How do you feel about that? Do you ever feel complacent? So for me, I actually am just pleasantly excited about all of the people who are rallying around 400 souls. And because it's a single volume history of Black Americans, and it is just rare that a single volume history of any topic, you know, so many people are rallying around it, you know, in this way, a sweeping sort of comprehensive history. And so for people to to do that with this book, when I know as an historian how rare it is, mm. just brings me sort of so much joy. And, and to see the ways in which you, you have Black people who, in many ways, like when they get the book and they display the book, it's almost like they're displaying a treasure. You know, and they, you can tell by the way they're talking about it. Yeah that they treasure this sort of book and they treasure the stories. And so to be one of the people who helped create that treasure, you know, there's no better feeling. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I I think I'm definitely going to buy a physical copy because I, I want it. It's, I haven't had black history in that way. Um, And I think that's the point, right? That's why this exists is that there hasn't been anything as comprehensively put together for wider consumption that's yeah that's accessible in that way ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm, I would like to know if there were stories that you had to leave out or that you had to say can't do that and how would you make that how did you make those decisions if you did with each of the five-year period we would suggest a particular story and sometimes the writers who agreed to write on those periods would accept that story mm-hmm. and, and 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 write on it other times they would say no actually i want to write on this topic and and we wanted those contributors to have that freedom so typically we you know when they said that we were like, you know, okay. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think it, it came together because we wanted each writer to be writing on something they were knowledgeable about and passionate sort of about. But of course, you know, we wanted to also provide some guidance for folks if they needed it. Yeah, perfect. We'll return to Dr. Kendi in just a moment. I want you to get to know Leah Sata. 
who has been in the trenches trying to create an equitable world for BIPOC folks in the UK and around the world. Take it away, Leah. Hi, my name's Leah and I am the co-founder of The Other Box. The Other Box is an award-winning company educating people on diversity, inclusion, bias and anti-racism. We also have a creative community that centres the voices of Black people, Indigenous people and people of colour. Today, the community has grown to over 4,500 members around the world and continues to grow. And really, it's a safe space for people to connect, to collaborate, to share opportunities with one another, but also as a space of solidarity because everybody that makes up the community or the other box is from a marginalised and underrepresented background. I'm currently working on improving myself right now. So I just turned 30 and... It's really about becoming a better version of myself. So that includes a lot of unlearning, a lot of relearning, a lot of disrupting patterns of behaviours that don't serve me. So really, that's what I'm focusing on right now, as well as trying to scale and grow the other box with my co-founders, Roshni and Seema. Now, two podcasts that have really inspired me, and actually, there's only two podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, is Oprah, Super Soul Sunday, of course, just because her presenting style, her interview style, and the guests that she has are incredible. And then Kalechi Okafor's Say Your Mind podcast. Now, again, Kalechi is a really great presenter, but also the way that she talks about things like spirituality, the way that she talks about complicated, highly emotive topics such as racism and other forms of oppression as well. She does it in such a way that's so accessible, and she's also funny and charming and just it's just so great to listen to her i've been following leah and the other box for years and it's been amazing to see their growth and more importantly the impact they're making as an organization also leah just made forbes 30 under 30 or like this is not a joke she is remarkable and so is the other box be sure to follow the other box on twitter and instagram at underscore the other box now back to dr kendi what are your goals for this book, specifically as it relates to, you know, conversations about race and racism? Do you see it being part of the solution when it comes to conversations about race? Well, I mean, I think that one of the reasons why you have people who are imagining what across the world that, quote, their nation is post-racial. Racism doesn't live here. It lives there. Mm. Uh, the there is often the United States, but Many people in the United States say it doesn't live here either, right? So it's like everywhere <laughs> is is yep. people all over the world are, are saying that. And part of the reason why nations all over the world are saying that, that, that anti-Black racism doesn't exist there, is because they don't know the history of anti-Black racism in their nation or in the United States or, or anywhere else. And I think so for me... You know, understanding and learning this history, mm-hmm. you know, opens one's eyes to the existence of racism. But what it also does, uh, for particularly for Black folks, it, it allows them to realize that they're, that the entirety of their existence isn't, I'm an oppressed person, right? You know, mm-hmm. Black people are so much more. And, and I think we, we conveyed that in this text. Yes, I think so. I think that is important and necessary because you're right. There is definitely something about the UK mentality that you either subscribe to the idea that 
it doesn't exist or it doesn't exist, but we're not that bad or we're not as bad as America. I would love to see something as big as this kind of just having that UK perspective and other perspectives. I'd love to see this spin off and inspire other writers. Is that something you've ever thought about with regards to the kind of the wider diaspora and how other black folks around the world can connect to, to this? I, I, I mean, I, I do think that it is it is critical for for us to show a history of, of the diaspora. And, and I, I do think it would be incredibly interesting to help share that story. And, and I, I do think it's important for Black folks to realize the ways in which there are those connections in the way sort of their culture, the cultures are, are sort of similar and even mm-hmm. their experiences. And But I, I always, I receive inspiration, you know, from Black folks all over the world not just the United States, who who are fighting a specific form of racism, you know, in their country, which is going to be different because yeah. of different national history, a different set of political sort of actors. And so I I, I just think it's it's important for us to, to receive that that inspiration from from each other. I would like to know what you're working on improving at the moment. Just you know, as you've got a book launch, it's very intense. I worked with many, many authors in the height of a launch. And this isn't your first radio, of course, but, you know, what are you working on improving? Where do I begin? I mean, I think I'm trying to ensure that sort of I'm using time wisely and productively. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to make sure that I am willing to take risks and I'm not just sort of thinking about what's safe and easy or comfortable, but I'm willing to to do the uncomfortable, risky things. You know, I'm I'm constantly sort of checking or thinking through and trying to improve or you know, check my own sort of patriarchy and 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 homophobia and transphobia and you know classism. And so that's something I'm I'm constantly sort of thinking about. And and I'm I'm I also and I'm constantly trying to ensure that my analysis of, of racism is not static. In other words, mm-hmm. so when I say racism, my analysis of racism today is not built on a framework that better explains racism 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's one of the challenges of, for instance, taking a book that was written 50 years ago about racism 50 years ago and applying it to to racism today mm-hmm. and so i'm constantly thinking okay can i you know i want to make sure my analysis is improving or is changing you know progressing with the time and what does good look like for you what is how do you measure that change and those improvements for me well first it good looks to me in which i'm admitting the times in which I'm, I'm admitting and acknowledging the, the mistakes that I've made uh, or that I'm making, mm-hmm. which is something I did in How to Be an Anti-Racist. And so that's critical for me. But then I'm thinking of how am I repairing this? Mm. <laughs> you know, how am I um, ensuring that I'm not going to, to, to have it again? So me, to me, it's more about the process of identifying mistakes not sort of generalizing it to say I'm this sort of evil, horrible person and I'm this is the way I'll always be as much mm-hmm. as, okay, how do I go about making different choices or being different in the future? Okay, I see that as success. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time. I am feeling very blessed to have spoken to Dr. Kendi today. 
I highly recommend getting a copy of 400 Souls, which is a very rich tapestry of black history from 1619 to 2019. Guys, it is dense and woo, it is a movement in that book, I tell you. It's full of suspense. It's full of trauma. It's got the joy. It's got the anger. It's got the triumph. It's got everything. It's a well-documented piece of work and it's well worth the read you can follow dr kendi on twitter at dr ibram d-r-i-b-r-a-m and on instagram at ibram x-k that's i-b-r-a-m-x and the letter k before we wrap up i had the chance to speak with london mayor sadiq khan a little while back and given the themes explored so far in the season i thought it was worth revisiting what he had to say about being in power and the pros and cons that come with the job take it away sadiq the most frustrating part of the job is actually the lack of powers that I've got. People don't realize is that although we've had a mayor for 18 years, the mayor's got very few powers. I'll give you a, a, an example. So we get to spend, I get to spend with council 7% of the taxes raised in this country, 7% only, whereas New York gets to spend 50%, Tokyo 70%. So a lot of the things I'd like to do, I can't, I've not got the powers. That's really frustrating. Mm. Uh, that's the worst part of the job is the fact that we want to go, you know, cap in hand, begging the government for resources or powers. The best thing on London is, I mean, honestly, you know, every day in my job, forget no days uh, are the same, but no hours the same. And the people I meet are just so diverse, you know, different backgrounds, different ages, different genders, different experiences. And I'm learning all the time. You know, there's, there's a great saying, many of us who are children were told by our parents, which is, you know, you've got two ears and one mouth, use me in that proportion. And so I'm always listening and learning and trying to be a better person, but also a better mayor. And you always learn on the job. Don't, in whatever job you're in, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a journalist, whether you're, you know, a, a politician, whether you're the mayor, don't ever assume you're the finished product because, because there's things you can learn all the time. That's the great thing about my job and I love it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this half an hour has made you think, reflect and contemplate what your next step should be. I'd like to encourage you to think about one person who would benefit from the messages shared today. And I'd love for you to share this episode with them right now. If you'd like the extended interview with Dr. Kendi, all you have to do is screenshot and share this episode to your Instagram stories and tag at content is queen HQ. Until next time. Bye. This is a Content is Queen production hosted by me, Imriel Morgan. Edited by Amber Miller and Joseph Perry. Sound design by Amber Miller. Music and sound effects are from Epidemic Sound. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.